All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. He is Ben Raven. I am Kyle Mikey. We are the Lions Beat here at M Live. Ben, how are we doing? We're doing good. We are. We are so <laughs> close. We are so close. <laughs> we're seven days out as yeah. of this recording. Um, it's it's Thursday afternoon right now. Uh, we're sitting uh, in a cubicle, I guess, for lack of a better word, in yeah. in Allen Park. Um, just spoke a matter of minutes ago to Brad Holmes. Um, We've got Dan Orlovsky, the former Lions quarterback and current ESPN analyst coming up later in the podcast to talk about the quarterback situation in Detroit and how serious the Lions should be about taking one, including early. Um, here's a hint. He loves Anthony Richardson. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get to that. And, and, and Brad spoke on it as well. So we got to talk about the quarterback stuff, but maybe... Uh, aside from that, Ben, um, what'd you learn today from from talking to Brad about the Lions here heading into the draft? That every option is on the table, kind of as we thought. You know, you don't you don't try to read too much into these kind of press conferences because I mean, I think Holmes's first statement before he even took questions was, "All right, let's go for questions that I'm not going to answer." So, <laughs> but uh, you know, you just kind of learn that um, they're. They, they liked Jalen Carter a lot more coming out of his pre-draft visit, and I think that's interesting. I wonder how much smoke is there to that fire. But, um, yeah, you know, I just kind of had things confirmed in my head that everything's on the table, that Holmes isn't afraid to take a running back early, that stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know that I learned a single thing about the Lions having other options exactly. open. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing this since 2013. I've heard every guy every year say the same thing. And sometimes it's been true and sometimes it's been not. Uh, it is true, I think, this year. And we've talked about it, written about it for weeks um, at this point. Uh, I think they did a great job in free agency addressing some of their biggest needs, yeah. particularly in the in the secondary. And so, yeah, their board has opened up. And I yes, I, I do think that includes quarterback, um, which we'll get into in a bit. Um, I, I don't think... For me, it includes Jalen Carter, and I thought what he said was pretty interesting today. I wrote about it a little bit on M Live, you know, just how affable he is generally. Mm-hmm. He's a very talkative guy, good natured. It was the same today. Um, and then you ask him about Jalen Carter's visit to Detroit, and it, I think it was forty-three words, is what I counted. It was the second <laughs> shortest response of his entire thirty-five-minute press conference. The only response shorter was about his hoodie at the combine. <laughs> so any football thing that, that it was by far his shortest, most curt response. And you have to be really careful about how much you're um reading into things this time of year. Um, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone is being forthright with you. Uh, and that that's understandable. Although I will say track record shows that Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes are more forthright than most. And their blueprint has been pretty evident to this point. They've spent first round picks on guys like Aiden Hutchinson last year, uh, Panay Sewell the year before that. These guys are good, you know, good players, right? But yeah. beyond that, they're animals. Mm-hmm. I mean, just animals. I think the word is dogs, yeah. right? Like yeah. with a W, dogs. <laughs> and on day three, they found some good gems with that approach too. Guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, obviously. And so when I look at Jalen Carter, I just don't see that type of player. And the talent is so absurd and yeah. at a position of need that you, I think his candidacy for the number six pick is real and they have to do their homework and they have but if you're just trying to make a call on what they're going to do 
which is, you know, difficult because we're not in those rooms with them. We're just trying to, you know, read the context clues and talk to the people that we know around the team. I just don't think that context to me screams draft Jalen Carter because there's been so many concerns just even beyond the accident and the arrest and everything else with his um, practice habits, Mm -hmm. his motivation. I mean, needing to Kobe Dean and um, guys like that to basically lead him on the practice field. I mean, that does not sound like Panay Sewell to me. It does not sound like Aiden Hutchinson. I just, you know, Brad Holmes said today that, um, you know, he felt better was the quote. He felt better about Jalen Carter after the visit. And that was the headline on Pro Football Talk, even before his press conference was over. I no, way. I just yeah, no, yeah. no, no doubt. But as I wrote on M Live, like I tried to give us some context because I just don't buy it. I mean, maybe they do feel better. I just don't buy the pick. It doesn't really fit what they do, and they might make it because the talent is so great. And maybe I'll have some egg on my face. I, but if you're asking me how I see the lines, I understand the lines and the way they go about the draft and the kinds of guys they want to draft. It just doesn't scream Jalen Carter to me. Not with the guys they'll have on the board uh, at that pick. No, he is he is bizarro, Aiden Hutchinson. Just I mean, just from our talk with Seth Seth Emerson mm-hmm. last week or the week before, I'm in a time warp right now. Two weeks ago. Yeah, that two was weeks ago. There you go. <laughs> Could have been two years ago at this point. You know, I, I said I would take Carter if he were there, you know, but the the major caveat for me is is Anderson off the board? Is Tyree Wilson off the board? Now, Anderson, I think, is the top overall prospect in this draft. But Carter, I mean, taking a Tyree Wilson, who I think is a very, very, very good prospect over Carter, I would not have done that two months ago. But it's just, it is just the point where it's like he's the bizarro Panay Sewell. He's the bizarro Aiden Hutchinson. Like he he's not this workout warrior who's gonna like put the team on his back and motivate him by being the quiet kind of workout warrior in the corner. Like he and that's not all they're looking for in guys, but just like there are so many instances where you're like, that doesn't match up, that doesn't match up, that doesn't match up. But it's just running into the conversation of like the thought that I've had since the get is like Jalen Carter is the best on-field fit for this team. And that just kind of hangs in the balance over my head. It's like it's tough, man. It's really tough. But I I am kind of at the stance right now where I think I, I think they're going to pass on him. If if they have the opportunity, I don't even really care how the board falls. I really think that they would pass on him. I, I kind of am there. I just do not. It sounds like you've moved a little bit in the last week. Or two. I have. And, and it's just been, it's, it hasn't been through anything anybody said. It's just kind of been like asking myself internal questions and kind of going over it. And it's just like, you know what? They have built this thing a very specific way in the draft. And that kind of does go against it. Pretty hardcore. So yeah, that's where I'm at with it right now. I'm much, 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 softer on Carter the Lions. Still think it's a possibility because he's a heck of a fit and a heck of a football player, but it is kind of like that that's the opposite direction. Yeah. I, you know, if you look at the the top picks, the one guy um that maybe doesn't completely conform to the blueprint that that we've seen unfold um with this regime in terms of draft prospects. I, I mean, do you know who I'm thinking about? No, I don't. Jameson Williams. Oh, right? Jameson. Yes, absolutely. Like yes. just knowing the guy a little bit, seeing his demeanor around Allen Park, seeing what he's about um, a little bit. He like, and I'm not, and I'm not. We just haven't seen enough football of that guy either on the practice field or certainly the game field to really make a true call on his game. But just in terms of the guy, mm-hmm. I you know he's not Panay Sewell. <laughs> he's not. I'm on Ross St. Brown. He's not Aiden Hutchinson. And again, I'm not making any like gestures here on like, you know, he, he can be great or he can't be great. I, we just haven't seen enough football, but in terms of the personality, 
he maybe is the the deviation from the blueprint that I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. And he is, you know, there's big questions about him going forward. And the injury is the biggest reason for that. And they knew that when they took him. So there's no problems there. Um, but, you know, when he hit the field, there were some issues with drops. And, um, you know, he wasn't in Allen Park for the start of offseason workouts, even though they've talked about um, – how much work he has to do. Um, you know, they're, they're holding up their end of the bargain, right. Trying to get him ready, but he has to do his part of the bargain as well. Um, which is putting in the work, refining his footwork, working on his route running, uh, working on obviously his chemistry with Jerry Goff. And he did do that by going to voluntary workouts in California. Um, but he was not in Allen park for the start of, of the off season program, which again, voluntary, but, you know they have like ninety percent of the roster here, but right. not the top ten, top twelve pick that that needs, uh, you know, that needs serious work after missing basically his entire rookie year. Uh, so um, I say that just because Holmes was asked about Jamison Williams today, um, and he vouched for him as as you'd expect, and said that Jamison Williams was in the building um, as of yesterday, which yeah. I think is a clever way of saying <laughs> he wasn't in the building before that. <laughs> um, I guess Ben, concern level on a, on a ten point scale here. Like, where where do you just feel on on JMO? On JMO, I'm probably at like a three still. Yeah, just just like obviously you can't ignore some of the things that have popped up and some of the things that you said. I mean, he is. It's a different personality. Like he's a different cat in that locker room. He's one of the smoothest mfers i've been around for sure but like it's just, it's at a two it's at a three you know it's just like we just haven't seen enough we don't know this kid enough and we don't know the situation behind it i mean yeah it was a very cute like i i think i wrote my headline is he's in the building at voluntary workouts i don't know if he's at voluntary workouts but he's in the building so obviously there's some interesting stuff going on and i mean i think you see that in the fan base because those comments holmes made at the combine very simple comments that he has to do the work too they seem to like be on eggshells about those comments like watching like hawks (laughs) i agree with you ben and there's a lot of caping going on for the guy and i understand because he was such an electric player in college he was a top 12 pick here we we haven't seen enough from him um to really make determinative calls on what he's going to be as an nfl player although every time he's touched the football it's he's done something amazing um yards are bust yeah (laughs) all three times and one was nullified by penalty but yeah i mean the athleticism is crazy but there's not a single player in the nfl who can get by an athleticism alone he's got to learn route running and i know his 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 routes were very inconsistent last year didn't always run them to like the pinpoint depth that they were supposed to go to for example i think that's a big reason why he lacked chemistry with golf. It wasn't just because, oh, Jamo is the fastest player he's ever right. you know, thrown to. Um, he's also thrown to Brandon Cooks, for example, who can fly and some other guys. Um, but it was the lack of consistency in the route running and footwork of yeah. Jamison Williams, which again, it, you you would expect of a of a rookie, you know, in his first handful of snaps in the NFL, whether it's on the practice field or otherwise. Um, you know, they were in a playoff push, Ben. So it's not like they were Absolutely. able to like devote large quantities of practice time to developing a rookie and just getting his, you know, his beak wet. Um, but that all being said, the work has to be done and it, it remains to be seen whether he's doing it or on what track he's doing it. I'm with you. It's like a two or a three. I'm yeah, not saying yeah. anything untoward about Jamison Williams, but I'd see a lot of keeping for him too for in sure. the fan base and he can do no wrong. Um and I'm not sure I'd go that far either because, you know, the, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to 
breathe air into rumor and innuendo, but there's some stuff around him that, you know, it just makes you question how seriously he's taking this juncture of his career. And that's all I'm saying. And so that's where the two and three points come from. And it's up to him to, to prove us otherwise. Um, Brad Holmes also talked about the quarterback situation. And I think that's something I'd like to address. Um, and this will tee up, you know, Dan Orlovsky, our, our guest for today. Uh, who had a lot of good stuff to say on the quarterback situation in Detroit. And I, I reached out to Dan. I, I covered Dan uh, when he was a player here in Detroit. And I really respect the way he does the TV side of things because there's a lot of yeah blowhards, blowing hot air. And the race debate era, he has yeah. breathed a nice, right. needed flavor into. Exactly, Ben. Yeah, he, his understanding of X's and O's is is clear but it's not just that it's that he's able to take the x's and o's which can be very complicated particularly in a tv space where you got 10 20 second sound bites and he's able to distill those x's and o's into into understandable uh nuggets for uh dummies like us <laughs> outside the game <laughs> um and so yeah i wanted to hear his take on the lions and ben johnson and particularly the, the quarterback stuff and as you'll hear uh, as we'll hear um, in the in the interview, you know he's very much on board with taking a quarterback, and I know some people wince at that. Yeah. Um, a lot of fans don't want to hear it because they saw what Jared Goff did last year, and I understand that because Jared Goff was a top ten quarterback by basically every measure, yeah. uh, including rating uh, sandwiched between uh, he was seventh between. Let's see if I can remember this. Uh, Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. Those are pretty good quarterbacks. Yeah, pretty, pretty decent guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the conversation really is, it's not just about what you have now. It's about what you have going forward and whether that's an, enough not to win nine games or 10 games in the regular season, but is your quarterback good enough to win it all with? Yeah. And we've seen Jared Goff do it previously with LA, which is part of what makes this debate so compelling. But he also has clear physical limitations as a quarterback and that'll always put the Lions at a disadvantage against teams like the Bengals who have Joe Burrow or um, a team like the Chiefs of course yeah. with Patrick Mahomes doing crazy things and and you know the Lions can beat up on teams with the team they have the roster they have um, in the regular season but when they get to the playoffs when they get deep in the playoffs if I mean God have mercy they ever make a Super Bowl and they face <laughs> a Patrick Mahomes or whatever yeah, yeah. Do you have a quarterback that you can win with? And I'm, I think that's the big question on Jared Goff. Um, uh, Brad Holmes said today that that the Lions are, are determined to add a quarterback before the start of training camp. That could, of course, be a free agent. They're already in on Teddy Bridgewater. It sounds like could be a quarterback at the back end of the draft, a, a Brock Purdy type, uh, and of course, it could be a, a quarterback at the top of the draft. Um, they met with Anthony Richardson. Uh, at the Combine, they've hosted C.J. Stroud at Allen Park, who's not expected to make it out of the first two or three picks. Ben, where do you stand on all the quarterback chatter? Oh, man. I <laughs> Anthony Richardson. I, I think I if they were to move up the board for someone, it would be for Anthony Richardson because I'm, I'm, I'm not a Will Levis guy. If he falls to six, I don't think that's the move. I think there are three guys that you should – should or could, if you could, supplant Jared Goff with, and it's Young, Stroud, and Richardson. I think the first two are kind of out of the question, where I think Richardson could be attainable. They have the capital, 
And I, you know, well, I'm not going to give away and no spoilers <laughs> on Dan, but I'm, I'm with Dan on like his thinking towards this draft. Like when he was talking yesterday, I'm like, holy crap, like I'm on board with the, what exactly with what he's saying. And it's, it's Anthony Richardson or bust for me, because I think that perfectly lines up with the timeline that gives you more flexibility. And I just think that he is the ceiling shattering quarterback of this year's draft. I think Jared Goff has played well enough um, that he gives you flexibility. I think that's the one true thing that everyone can agree on, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's taking a quarterback early or just rolling all in with Jared Goff, paying the man a a big extension, building this thing around him. I I think there's a case that can be made for that. Mm -hmm. I would disagree with it, but I can understand the, the argument for it. Uh, I think the one true thing that we can all agree on is that is that you know the Lions have a lot of flexibility at the quarterback position and probably flexibility none of us really saw coming when this trade went down yeah. two years ago. I mean, it wasn't Goff or Stafford. It was Goff, a first-round pick, a first-round pick, and a third-round <laughs> pick for Matthew Stafford. It, it, it's really clear which tier Matthew Stafford was in at that time and Jared Goff was in. He He was coming off – Goff was coming off two really bad years – in LA, he was the most turnover player in the NFL. Um, was benched in the playoffs. Uh, they, I mean, the Rams were dumping him to the Lions yeah. and packaging him with multiple first round picks to do it. Um, and so, no, I don't think anyone thought, oh, yeah, in two years' time, Jared Goff is going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback and having a career season while mm-hmm. leading the Lions to, to, you know, to eight wins in 10 weeks and the precipice of the playoffs. I mean, a, a real, I mean, with the turnover they were going through, Ben, to make it as far as they did last year, that's none of us saw the expediency of this rebuild. And yeah. it was Goff's play that was, I think, the biggest reason, the, the, the binding tissue uh, for it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I really believe that for as productive as he's been, um, I just think that he has undeniable physical limitations. And I, I don't like saying that about a good player. He's a good player and the lines could go other mm-hmm. directions and I would understand it, but he's not an elite player. And if you, you're in a position now where you could draft a, an elite prospect. And if you don't do that, you're going to have to pay him elite money next year. And you're going to be back. You're going to be cornered into the Jared Goff uh, market for years to come. I, I, I think that's that's the road that you travel down if you bypass the quarterbacks at the top of this year's draft. That's why I think they should seriously consider it, and they are. Um, whether they actually pull the trigger, though, I think is you know it's a it's a manner of um, of, of dispute, and I can understand it from both sides. It's a difficult thing. It's a, it's why Brad Holmes gets paid all this money to make tough decisions to balance the the short term this year of of pushing your chips in for a season where you're the favorites to win the North, but also minding the long-term health of your franchise and maybe looking at that opportunity to to take a bold step toward elevating the ceiling of what this rebuild could be. Yeah. And I think Dan, the thing I think people most appreciate about Dan's talk coming up is uh, Dan Orlowski's talk coming up is that before he gets into golf, I'm good friends with Jared. I know Jared well, here are eight reasons why the Lions should probably move on. And it's just, so I'm with you. I mean, I would have laughed you out of the gym if you would have told me two years ago that golf is on the precipice of another $35, $40 million contract. And that's just the fascinating situation that we are heading into right now. We understand the Lions perspective on this really well. We're in Allen Park every day. We got people in the building that we can talk to. And and we've tried to outlay that as best we can about the difficult decision they have uh, before them. 
uh, I reached out to Dan Orlovsky about coming on the pod because I respected his his uh, his viewpoint is different than ours. He's a former quarterback, a former quarterback in Detroit, knows the position really well, the X's and O's. Um, wanted to get his thoughts on Jared Goff on this offense under Ben Johnson and what he sees as the, as the the best path forward for Detroit. So let's let's get into it. All right, joining us now is a man who needs no introduction around these parts. Dan Olafsky was a, a fifth-round pick of the Lions in, in 2005, enjoyed seven seasons in Detroit, yeah. spending two stints with the team. Uh, these days, he's a workhorse back over at ESPN. Um, regular NFL Live, he, he's all over Get Up, Sports Center, First Take, you name it, he's on it. Like half the time you turn on the, on ESPN, he's there staring back at you, breaking down the tape. <laughs> Dan, welcome yeah. to the program, and thanks for making the time for us. Yeah, no, good to see you, Kyle. Um, always, always good to be with you, man. Yeah, and I always, I make the joke with people all the time, like I'm on too much. You know, they're like, oh, you know, <laughs> nowadays it's the power of ESPN. Everyone recognizes me everywhere, and it's often like. I know you or, oh, you're the guy that's on with Stephen A. So um, yeah. <laughs> I tell people all the time, like, yeah, I'm, I'm on too much, man. But I, I enjoy it. I'm having fun. How how often do you get the, hey, you're the guy with the terrible food takes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I don't get it that much. You know, I think that's more okay. like the Twitter world. I don't know how many people see yeah. it on TV, but um, I, I do get some people. I, we were actually in Disney World, just funny. You know, we were in Disney World last week. My wife being from Philly, I think everyone knows it. Like, my wife's a diehard Philly fan. I just kind of rode with the Eagles a little bit. My kids wear baseball hats all the time, but one of them had it off, and it was hanging on my backpack, and a Cowboys fan walked by, and he, he saw me. He was like, I don't <laughs> like you on TV, and I like you less because of the hat you have on your backpack right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, before we dive into lion stuff, and I have a, a, a few questions for you, but I, I'm curious, I, I was trying to remember, I covered you a few years when you were, when you were in Detroit, I was trying to remember if the TV thing was always something you had envisioned for yourself, or if this is something that just kind of happened after, after your playing career. I mean, how, how did this all happen for you? Yeah, a little bit more like after my playing career in, in 14, I went to the NFL broadcast boot camp, you know, and, and I like so many other guys who go think I'm, I'm good. I feel like I know football and I can do interviews. Well, I'll crush TV. Um, and then you go and you're like, Oh, it's nothing like that. It's way more challenging and the work that's needed to be put into it to be good and whatnot. And you never realize how short 20 seconds is until you get into this world. Um, but I didn't think about it a ton after that, just because I was I knew I was on the back end of my career. I'm very much so like a, you know, where you are, you know, kind of gets all your attention. So I was still playing. So like my mindset was I'm, I'm just going to continue to put the great majority of my effort into playing and not preparing or planning for what could be next. And then, you know, um, as, as the 17 season happened, I think I got cut in 17 that ended my career type of thing. Coaching TV, coaching TV, and I talked with Coach Caldwell a little bit, Sean McVay with the Rams, and I entertained coaching, and I just started doing some stuff on social media. Of, you know, I, I always tell people, like, I'm a nerd at heart. I just was, you know, God blessed me with the ability to throw, you know, and, and, and being tall. So, um, you know, like, I, I, I really do like the nerd part about football, and it, that kind of took off, and I've got a personality that likes to argue and debate and, and try to be right. And so I think, like, once I saw – I enjoyed it. People enjoyed it. There was an appetite for it. Um, and I didn't stink at it. It became more of like, yeah, let's go do this um, was the answer. So it was more so like a very small thought 
um, that just rapidly sped up after getting done playing. I think what what really sets you apart from me in the TV space is you do such a good job actually breaking down the, the nuts and bolts of the film, which, as you said, like it, it can be hard to do that kind of thing when you have 20 or 30 seconds. Um, but you I mean, you did it on those social media yeah. clips really well. I remember like, man, this guy really knows how to distill like, a complex thing into like a little nugget that you can understand as, as a layman, you know, someone outside the game. Um, and that's kind of carried over to your thank TV you. thing. Thank you. Of course, yeah. yeah. It's unique. It's a hard thing, as you know. Um, you know what? Be, like Getting started and doing it on social media kind of helped me because like, mm -hmm. the reality was on Twitter, you could only post things that I think were like two minutes or something like that. I don't remember exactly what the title, you know, Twitter's changed, obviously. But so it, in many ways, you know, I would just do take after take after take after take to try to get everything I wanted to get into a video in under two minutes. And if you talk to producers that you do live TV with, when it comes to a play breakdown, they'll tell you like, hey, can we get this done in 90 seconds or two minutes? And in an odd way, like a lot of the stuff that was done for me early on in Twitter kind of prepared me to be like, yeah, I can get all that done in that period of time for sure. Yeah. So with that being said, as a guy who played the game and, and played the game in Detroit um, and obviously knows the film, you're not just a talking head. So I, I guess I'm really interested dan to hear your perspective on where the lions are these days and i know you keep close close watch on them uh, and i guess you know just being from the offensive side and as quarterback what your thoughts are on jared goff there's a lot of conversation these days in detroit about the quarterback yeah. position given how well jared's played but obviously you have those two early picks this year and some resources to move around if you want to go get a quarterback so that whole conversation is playing out so i'm, I'm curious your thoughts on goff and the Lions offense and maybe where you think they should go from here. Yeah. You know, I'll go back to the day after the draft last year. I remember being on first take with Stephen A and being like the Lions and the, in the Vikings are going to be closer to the Packers than people think like they, they, they're, they're building after drafting. Well, finally. Um, so I think the Lions as a whole are like a very, I don't want to even say sleeper pick right now. I think they're, they're a very interesting team that because of the way they've built the roster and had success finally stringing drafts together um, and hitting on young kids it, it's a relatively healthy roster Jared's a good player I've known Jared since the you know second year he came in the NFL and got to spend a ton of time with him I'm, I'm sure you guys have gotten to kind of meet him and spend time with him he's a tremendous person and that doesn't you know it, it's important to that that gets to get be said I think offensively Ben Johnson came out of nowhere in the last basically two years and I remember watching his tape last year being like I think I did a breakdown of how, how their play action game was so married and so well that good luck stopping it I, I think that the way that they call their plays is one of the more you know built or better built schemes in the NFL. And he could call plays too. Like there's a difference between having a good scheme and then being able to call it well. So I think a lot of players and a lot of quarterbacks are going to have success in Detroit. As long as Ben is there, I think what you love about Jared is he's weathered. He's tough. He's seen it all. He's experienced it a ton. Um, he knows the highs and lows of a game and a season. Um, you could still throw it you know, just the natural throw. He, I've always said that about Jared. He's a lot like CJ Stroud coming out this year. Like they're from the pocket, they're, they're marksmen. He, he can, he could spin it. Um, I think I could say this. I love Jared. He's a friend. I, I, there is a reality that 
to go chase down a Philadelphia, you feel like we need more at the quarterback spot. There's just that truth. Every team in the AFC faces this with Patrick as well. Um, and so if you're if you're Detroit, you sit there. What do they have? The sixth pick this year? Seattle sits at five. I feel like I put like Detroit, Seattle, and maybe Tennessee or Atlanta, excuse me, in like the same group. You want to be intentional about the quarterbacks draft this year, but you don't have to be aggressive. You know, and if, if there's a guy in this draft that you have sat there in your organization and Brad and Dan and Ben have done the evaluation and they go, we think here in Detroit, this guy's got a chance to be really good and eventually in a year or two an upgrade over the guy that we have right now that's when your selection at six comes you go do we do it we know that there might be players here this and that that we like better we can upgrade the roster at a different spot but you got to think about now and the future now and the future and um you know like I think you can make the case for multiple guys there I don't think they have to be overly aggressive um, but I certainly believe if the one the, the guy that they think is really good falls there, the conversation has to be had for sure. And I'm just kind of curious because at six and 18, there's an obvious chance to move up there, but that would be pretty aggressive, especially based on how golf has kind of played with the two years left on his contract. But just the guys that we're hearing, you know, the, the Will Levis, the Anthony Richardsons. I mean, do you think one of those guys would be worth kind of maybe shaking the birdcage? Because, I mean, when Goff got here, it was he was a different guy than he was last year. Yeah. You know, his confidence was shaken, I mean, on and yeah. off the field. And I think really kind of keeping him in the right headspace. I'm not saying he's a headcase, but kind of keeping him in that comfortable ground has been really important to this offense moving forward. Do you think a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson, if by the grace of God they fall to six, would be worth that kind of aggression? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't think for Will, no. I, I'll be clear. I don't think that they should move up. Uh, that, that That's part of that overaggression. I don't believe that they, they should and or have to. Gotcha. I think that Jared will play well this year. But I will say this, and I said this about Philadelphia last year, and this isn't a knock on Jared. Quarterbacks would play well in Detroit. There's a group – a lot of quarterbacks would play well. It's a very good place to go play quarterback right now. But if Anthony Richardson – and, and and I'll have a little bit of a conversation about Anthony here. So, like, Anthony has unique unicorn. You do not find human beings like this talent. He is big, athletic, fast, and a very natural arm talent. Usually, like in the draft, you can find a guy that has one of those three or two of those three qualities. You don't find it in one guy. And if you sit there and go, well – He's only started 13 starts and we have accuracy concerns. My two pushbacks to that are this. Yes, he's only started 13 starts. That's a real thing. But with quarterback run, he will see simpler defenses. So you can kind of gradually build, like le- allow him to learn the chaos of the NFL defenses. He will see simpler stuff because they have to play faster. And the accuracy, I think, is way overblown. 106 teams in college football last year caught the football better than Florida. They were not your grandfather's Florida. And I watched the tape and I go, well, 106 teams caught it better and 19 throwaways. Like, I don't see accuracy issues with Anthony. I see some, you know, feet mechanics or foot mechanics that you have to work on and get better at, and you can. Um, so I think if you sit there and you go, man, we love this kid. Every, by every report, he's really smart. He's got great work ethic. That's when I sit there and you go, yo, 
you have to have this conversation. If you're Brad Holmes, you have to, because, and a part of this, you know, is a little bit attached to, and again, I love Jared. It's a little bit attached to like what we just saw play out in New York this off season and what we might see play out in Minnesota. Daniel Jones is a good player. He's getting $42 million a year. Kirk Cousins is a good player. After this season, he might go to Minnesota and they might have to pay him $45 million. If you're Detroit, you sit there and go, Jared Goff's a good player. Do we want to have to pay Jared Goff $45 plus million? I don't, I, I, that's tough. That's just a lot of money for good. And I love Jared. Um, I just think that's a real conversation that, and they're difficult that organizations have to have. It's a it's such a unique position to be in for Detroit. I think it's you know at least in my decade around the team, it, they've always been dealing from a position like where they're backed into a corner and they're desperate sure. for any talent they can get, and that's not really the case they have going on. There's a lot of good things happening. They can make a real run at it this year. We saw what they did down the stretch last year. They've already. Yeah. Um, address their biggest roster holes, I would say, in free agency, particularly the defensive backfield. Um, and they have that young core that you talked about earlier, Dan. It's it's really an impressive spot for them to be in. But they have that long-term ramification they have to consider as well, especially if this rebuild is going where everyone thinks it is. You're not going to be picking this, high. Yeah. Exactly. And not just one pick, but two picks in that top 20. Um, uh, and they have some options there, including Richardson. I, I, have you seen in person? Like in the flash. Yep. Yeah, I've so called impressive. <laughs> yeah. I called um, I called a couple of his games. I called a game Okay. Um two years ago. I called a game and I just remember being on the call. And that's when it was his redshirt freshman year, I believe, at Florida. And it was him and gosh, um I forget who was the other quarterback playing for them. He ended up transferring to Arizona State. And I was just on the call and I was going, I have no idea why this young man's not to start. Emory Jones was the, his name as the other guy. Yeah. And I'm like, I have no idea why this young man's not playing. No clue. And then I called the Utah game this year. And I remember after the Utah game going on Paul Feinbaum show and being like, lock it in top 10 pick. If he, if he did not play another down in the in college football this year. And that's what, and, and I, I've said this and listen, it's, it's a really difficult position to draft from the inside. It's an even harder one to evaluate from the outside because, you know, I would say 90% of these guys and their chance for success is who they are, you know, and where they go. I don't see from just off going off tape in my job, how this young man fails. Hmm. He's big. He's powerful. He's strong. He's athletic. He's incredibly bright. He's got great work ethic, really good character and a very natural thrower. He's very loose up top. Like Josh Allen was coming out. I don't know how he becomes like this failure. And everyone was like, well, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson's like six foot one or six yeah. foot two, 210 pounds, you know, like Zach yeah. Wilson, it, it, you know, went to BYU. He didn't go to Florida, you know, um, Jamarcus Russell didn't have the work ethic that Anthony does by reports. So he's, he's tantalizing. He is. Yeah. And, I, and I've said this, like, it's kind of a shot, but it's like if you think you're a good coach and you got good coaches around you, how you, how would you not take him? Yeah, I mean the the, the tantalizing nature of that that um, that candidate that that prospect is uh, kind of what I was driving at, Dan, because you are in a position as the Lions where you're, you're dealing from a position of strength. You don't have to make that pick. 
You don't right. have to gamble on him because, as you know, every quarterback pick is a gamble, every single one of them. You, you don't know if it's going to pan out more so at that position probably than than any other in the draft. Even yeah. these top five picks are like 50-50 to, to, to become the guy you think they're going to be. Um, yeah. um, so if you gamble on Anthony Richardson, and, and he is exactly what you described, which is what I see too when I watch him, uh, he's going to take – the Lions rebuild, the ceiling on the Lions rebuild to a different level than what they have with Jared Goff. And that's a fact, no matter how well Goff has performed uh, in a situation in Detroit. He just doesn't have that skill set. Correct. Like Pat Mahomes or whatever uh, Richardson does. But, you know, like Brad Holmes said earlier in the offseason too, it's from the Lions perspective, easier to get worse at the quarterback position than it is to get better. Yep. So it's, kind of, it's just a really interesting spot for the Lions to be in because they could go safe and pick a pass rusher or whatever and improve their roster for 23 and beyond, or they can take that gamble and maybe have the ceiling of this rebuild go to a place that it's not at right now, but of course incur the, the, the risk that comes with it. At some point, and I think it's easy for me to say this because I'm not making person a pick, so anybody – like, that's fair. At some point, you got to chase greatness. At, at some point you have to, that's just the, that's just the unfortunate reality. It, it, you got to roll the dice. Now you hope that you roll the dice and you have the pieces around that are capable of supporting Kansas city was a playoff team and decided, you know what, we're going to move up to go get Patrick Mahomes Cause we think that we had everything around him to go play. Well, Buffalo was a playoff team. Let's go up and get Josh Allen. We don't need them. We're okay. I think they had Tyrod Taylor and Alex Smith respectively playing for them. Let's go chase greatness. Like, let's go, let's go get these guys. And I think that at some point, it, it, and it's, it, it, to be honest with you, like Brad's done it to himself because he's drafted well, <laughs> you know, like once you draft well and you find good guys and you build a good <laughs> roster, the reality is, okay, the roster's healthy. I've done my job in regards to that. Now we got to go roll. We got to go take our shot. We got to go roll the dice a little bit. No question. And you got to believe that you can identify, develop, and then unleash. And I just think that they are one of those teams that you sit here and can justify. Yup. That was the right decision. Whether it works out or not, that was the right decision. Do you get any FOMO at all, Dan? Just, you know, you're here for some, some <laughs> tough days. Do you get any FOMO at all? It's just, seeing all the good things happening now and the way people are talking about what's happening. I'm sure Matthew does a little bit more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm super, I'm super excited for them. You know, like I played with Dan, you got, you know that I played with Dan there. Um, you know, I, I could have very easily not had gotten drafted and then God knows what would have happened with my career. I wouldn't, I, I, I firmly believe that I, I wouldn't be sitting here. I wouldn't have the, job that I have. I wouldn't have the family I have if not for my time in Detroit. So I've always loved their fans. I've always felt like the fan base is one of those re really unique ones that you want to see have fun, you know, because of the success. Um, I still talk to Mulebach, who's somehow still employed by the Detroit I Lions. <laughs> I, I, I saw him. I saw him down at uh, where was I? Uh, owners meetings, I think, or something yeah. this off season. <laughs> but Dan, what are you? Or, uh, Don, what are you doing down here? Yeah, he was I don't on know. the sideline like, in Mobile. Know he has a role. I, <laughs> yeah. I think he just collects a check from them and just like does appearances. Like somehow it's like. Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, and Don Muehlbach is yeah. like the ambassador brands. <laughs> I still see a handful of Muehlbach jerseys every year. Believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, he's the best. <laughs> he's the best. Then, 
Dan, thank you very much for your time. I know it's a busy time of year for us all uh, in the business, and it's been great to see your success at ESPN, uh, on, on GetUp and uh, NFL Live and all these places. And um, keep it up, man, and uh, it's great to check back in with you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you, bud. Ben, nice to meet you, man. Kyle, good to see you, bud. Thank you, dude. Thank you. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.